Well, good morning. There's a, a recent news article that reported a, a dangerous practical joke that was uh, played by a nursery employee, not, not a children's nursery, but plant nursery. A, a British Columbia-based nursery is trying to, trying to track down people who brought or bought poisonous plants that were incorrectly labeled tasty in soup. So Valley Brook Gardens which distributed the plants, has worked with government officials to locate the buyers of 17 improperly labeled perennials sold at stores in British Columbia and Ontario from April 18th through 25th. Only eight of these plants have been accounted for. The label should have read, all parts of this plant are toxic, but an employee changed it to, all parts of this plant are tasty and soup, said Michael Benoit, the nursery's general manager. The employee was making a practical joke and thought it would be caught by the horticulturist, said Bennett. Uh, well, the devil's done the same to us. Uh, you know, God put a warning label on sin and said, do not eat from any of this or, or you shall die. But our, our enemy has, has switched labels. The label he attached to sin reads, looks good, tastes great, desirable to, to make one wise. Now, we saw in the, uh, the first chapter of 1 Peter that uh, God cares about how we think. He cares about our, our thought life. He cares about our character and how we conduct ourselves. He cares about the spiritual fruit that we bear. And there's a lot of biblical imagery on uh, fruit bearing. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, 18 through 19, God warns his people of of bearing poisonous fruit. He says, Beware lest there be any among you bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. One who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. You know, it's it's just that. It's it's an issue of heart. You know, we have a, a choice about our our attitudes, we have a choice about our conduct. And, you know, God's word makes it very clear how we should uh, think and how we should live. Jesus, in Luke six forty three through 45, he says, uh, For no, tree, no good tree bears bad fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart's produ- heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, we've seen that the battle is in our mind. You know, we need to get away from wrong thinking and trust in the imperishable word of God. Remember Peter talking about that earlier. So we continue our, our study in First Peter, and we, we finally come to uh, the beginning of chapter 2, where Peter begins by looking at the kind of things that Jesus is talking about, the evil that's produced by the heart and spoken by the mouth of, of a person who is bearing fruit, poisonous fruit. You know, the title of this sermon is Poison, Milk, and Stones. Well, let's read from chapter 2, verse 1. 
So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and evil, or envy, excuse me, envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up into a spiritual house to be holy, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builder, builder, builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And what I'd like to pull out of this, this passage is that we, we need to get rid of the poison and instead drink spiritual milk and come to Jesus Christ. So let's dump the poisonous fruit. Let's, uh, let's get rid of toxic attitudes and, and behavior. And Peter says in first one, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now, Peter's kind of starting chapter two on a, on a negative note, isn't he? This, this should get our attention. The Holy Spirit inspired this, and it's, it's here for a reason. You know, do, we, do, we have the, do we have these problems in our own personal lives? Do we have these, these problems uh, together? Yes, we do. And he gives us he gives us this list of things that, that poison our souls, these things that are especially toxic in relationships. Peter says, put these things away. You know, it's not like when we tell our kids, you know, put your Legos on the shelf so I don't have to step on them in the middle of the night. You know, where it's it's there on the shelf ready to retrieve when it's useful. No, he's He's saying, jettison these things. He's like, throw them overboard. Get rid of them. Remove them. Don't, don't keep them around for, for possible later use. Completely get rid of them. Now, in Hebrews 12.1, we, we see this same word. It's translated in the ESV, lay aside. It says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, this list is not a list of disconnected items. I think that a lot of times these, these things kind of come together in a, a package. They're, they're a result of disobedience to God's word, a, a result of a lack of reverence for, for God, a, a disregard for his word. These are the things that Peter's been talking about. This verse begins with the word, so. It's connected to what Peter's been talking about before. Peter had just, talking, had just talked about the abiding word of Christ. 
the, the imperishable seed. He's, he's been talking about having a pure heart, having brotherly love. He's saying, in light of what I have just said, remove these things. Put away these, these poisonous things. They have no place in our lives. They have no place in our relationships. They have no place in Christ's church. They're poison. They're destructive. Let's, let's consider these things individually. First, we have malice. This word means a, a mean-spirited or vicious attitude or disposition, ill will, malignity. You know, this isn't just an action. It's, it's an attitude. It's a way of being, a way of thinking. And it's a strong word. It, it describes a mean-spirited person. You know, we cannot be people who are bent on hurting others. We can't be people who delight in seeing other people fail, who would love nothing more than to, to see someone else hurt and, and suffer. You know, this kind of person is constantly tearing one another's, the, the other person down rather than building up, trying to cause them harm. Next is deceit. This is taking advantage through craft or underhanded methods, cunning, treachery. You know, as we, as we look at these things, we should shudder to think that Peter is talking to believers, but he is. Remember, he addressed this, this letter to believers. Are they, are they an issue in, in the churches? I guess they are, or he wouldn't be addressing them. You know, these things need to be dealt with. You know, deceit's especially egregious to God. Uh, he's, he's not talking about inadvertent mistakes. He's, he's talking about a person who, at the very core, has a character of, of cunning and treachery. These things build on each other, don't they? You know, a, a malicious person is, is going to use tools of deception going to use tools to, to misrepresent him or herself, Hide, hiding his malice with the next thing, which is hypocrisy. This is to create a, a public impression that is at odds with one's real purposes or motivation. You know, play acting, pretense, having an outward show. This is a person who is one way in public and another way in private or, or behind closed doors, maybe one person in public, another person in, in their home. You know, we can, we can fool others. We can, we can fool ourselves even, but, but we can't fool God. The next is envy. This is, simply means jealousy. And, and you know, I looked at where this word was, was used, and it's, it's used in the Gospels about the... Uh, the, the Pharisees, in Mark 15.10, it says that, the, uh, the, that Jesus perceived that it was out of envy, the same word, that the chief priest had delivered him up. The, the, the Pharisees despised Jesus because he threatened their power. They're, they were jealous for their authority and their, their honor and power before others. 
The next one, the last one is, is slander, and that's the act of speaking ill of one another, evil speech, defamation. You know, this is poisonous speech that is meant to harm one another, to, to tear down instead of building up. It's, it's false accusation. So again, these, these are poisonous fruits, things that can and will harm us individually, harm us in our families, harm us in our church, harm us at, at work, in all our relationships. This is pretty ugly stuff, isn't it? A pretty ugly picture that he's painting. And this, this is offensive. It ought to be. We ought to be offended. You know, we need to, we need to look at our own hearts our own hearts closely and examine our motives, our, our thoughts, you know, inviting the, the Holy Spirit to shine his light into our hearts and ask, you know, do these things exist in me? Is any of this true? We need to ask God to reveal if there's anything grievous in, in our hearts. We need to remind ourselves, as Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Yeah, if we have these things in us, we need to get rid of them. And each of us is susceptible to these, these things, these, these sins. Each of us is capable of all of these things. We need to put them away. Why? Looking back at the, uh, the previous verses, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. Now, if we call God Father, you know, we, we must have, we must practice brotherly love. If, if we exhibit these things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, evil, or excuse me, I keep wanting to say evil. Envy is evil. E- envy and slander. Uh, you know, in our dealings with it, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, there, there's something wrong, something terribly wrong. You know, we need to get rid of them. When we see these things in our church, we need to make a stand for, for what's right. Yeah, I'd like to ask, what's, what's at the root of all these, these things? You say sin, of course. Uh, Definitely. But isn't it the, uh, the deadly attitude, the poisonous attitude of, of pride? Pride. You know, it's the, the elevation of, of self above others. Our brotherly love must be sincere and pure, Peter says. You know, any other love is fake. It's, it's fleeting. It's, it's maybe obligatory. It's, it's dishonest. You know, true brotherly love stands in stark contrast to these things that, that Peter has listed here. So we need to see the ugliness of, of sin. And next is uh, we need to embrace childlikeness and, and simplicity and, and seek to grow, humbling ourselves as, as children. In verse 2, Peter continues, he says, like newborn infants, Long for the pure spiritual milk 
that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know, first I'd like to say this is a call for genuine humility, is it not? You know, to put yourself in the position of a newborn babe and desire milk. Maybe we don't like to hear this kind of thing. Some people get angry at the suggestion (laughs) that they need milk. Uh, But this is... uh, you know, this is a this is a call to do this, not not to be childish, but to be childlike. And it seems like this is hard for us to do. You know, we like to think of ourselves as grown ups, mature. We feel like we've got everything uh, figured out. You know, it, it offends us. It offends us if we're told that we that we need to grow up, but every single one of us does. Every single one of us needs to acknowledge our our own weakness and and neediness and dependence on God. You know, just like a newborn infant is is totally reliant on his his parents, we need to be totally reliant on our Heavenly Father and the milk of his word. You may think that, uh, you know, Peter, maybe maybe he's talking to brand new Christians here, and some of them were... Some of them were brand new Christians in in these churches he was writing to, but there were also mature believers who knew their Bibles, who were maybe surprised at this statement that we should become like infants. We must humble ourselves. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 18.4. Matthew 18, 4, remember this scene. The disciples came to Jesus and and they asked him, who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say unto you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let's clothe ourselves in, in humility. Seek the kingdom of God with childlikeness, helplessness, simplicity, dependency, just like a child. This is God's word. It's a, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. Interesting, we're, we're commanded here to have a desire. He's telling us you must have this desire this this uh, command to desire, long for, is really the only imperative in this this passage. The the, the previous uh, phrase has has set the stage for this. He's he's drawing a, a contrast between poison and and milk. What is this pure spiritual milk he's talking about? The uh, word for spiritual in, in Greek is uh, logikos, logikos. It's, it's a play on the word with reference to um, the first chapter, 23 through 25, to the living and enduring word, logos, of God, through which they were born. Remember him saying that, born anew. You know, this, this is a, a subtle indication that uh, the nourishment for our growth must come from the word of God. 
pure spiritual milk of the word of God. We all need it. I'm afraid sometimes some of us might reach the point to where we, uh, we lose our hunger, we lose that desire for, for God's milk, for his word, and, and spoil our appetites with other things, you know, spiritual junk food, if, if you will, things that crowd out God's word, things that replace our desire for his word, things that compete for our affection. You know, other things can, can overpower that desire for, for pure spiritual milk so that we maybe get tired of it. Maybe we feel like we've mastered God's word. There's nothing anybody can tell me. There's nothing that I can receive anew from reading God's word. There is an attitude of pride. Martin Luther, in his... Uh, commentary on the book of Galatians, he said, nothing is more perilous than to be weary of the word of God. Thinking he knows enough, a person begins little by little to despise the word until he has lost Christ and the gospel altogether. May we never reach that point. One of the professors at uh, Dallas Seminary, Howard Hendricks, wrote a book called Living by the Word. And he said, it's often said that familiarity breeds contempt. Well, something else that breeds it is ignorance, he says. The moment you come to a passage of scripture and say, oh, I know this one already, you're in trouble. Instead, you need to come to every text as if you've never seen it before in your life. I love that. Whenever we open up God's word, we should try to have that mindset that this is new. This is fresh. God's going to reveal something new to me today through his word. Why do we need this pure spiritual milk? Peter says that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This this salvation is, remember, talking about Salvation in the future tense, the, the, uh, the salvation that is coming. One, one commentator says this, uh, all, all of this is founded on the fact that you have tasted that the Lord is good. What does he mean by that? You know, the psalmist in Psalm 34, 8 said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And Peter uses this, this text in his argument uh, contending that the, uh, the foundation for this uh, spiritual craving is the fact that believers have already found spiritual nourishment to be good and tasty. Because, because the Lord himself is, is spiritually satisfying, we're to focus our lives on spiritual nourishment and growth. It's this kind of development that they will attain their hope of salvation through this kind of development. So we need to grow. I hope we want to grow. We, 
we need to desire this, this nourishment. Uh, here's, here's the key. Here's the key. We need to come to Christ. Peter says, starting in verse four, as you come to him, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious for you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's an amazing couple verses there. These these things Peter has been saying are written to the community of believers. All these, all these commands are in the second person plural, which means not you individually, but you all collective. Yes, y'all. You know, we could, we could accurately translate this. Y'all put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Y'all long for spiritual, pure spiritual milk. In, in in Greek class at, at Dallas, I was just I was just telling somebody about this a couple days ago. I think maybe maybe our Wednesday night group, uh, Doctor Buer, he was a professor professor of Greek, New Testament Greek, and uh, he's a, a true Southerner, and he preferred that we translated the second person pronoun like that. Y'all, he he promised to give us extra credit if we did. <laughs> you know, the point is. The emphasis is on us together, us together in the life of the church as, as we live together, as we work together. So here Peter is making this very clear. He says, we are living stones. When we, I might have told you about this before, but it really made an impression on me. So if I did, I apologize. I'm going to tell you again. But when we were uh, visiting our daughter in Europe, uh, one of the villages in France where we stopped, we observed this uh, stonemason. He was he was building a wall, an amazing wall, and all he all he had was a hammer, and a chisel, and a lot of muscle, very strong back. But he used this this hammer as as his main tool, and with with his hammer he was he was knocking off the rough edges. He was taking chunks out of some of the rocks so that they would fit together well. Yeah, you know, I, I can't help but think that there's a, a spiritual application here. You know, we we need our rough edges knocked off, don't we? If we're going to fit together properly to build this spiritual house, which Paul talks about being a, a dwelling place for, for God. We need our rough edges knocked off. That's why we need to humble ourselves in, in the hands of, of the master builder and let him take off those things that we need to put away that Peter just talked about. This, this stonemason was amazing to watch. He, was, he would seem to be going very slow. It was obviously very hard work. These rocks were pretty good size, but from what we saw, the, the result was absolutely beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And <clears throat> this wall was 
strong. This wall, was, the stones were tight. This wall was impenetrable. And this, this wall is going to last for centuries. We need to be like those stones, don't we? Fitted together in, in, into a structure with integrity. You know, it's, it's as we come to Christ, as we come to Christ that we will be what he wants us to be. It's his plan that we, that we grow up together as, as a church, as a community of, of the redeemed. He's our rock. The world rejected him. But God's plan was for his church with Jesus being that rock, that cornerstone, precious to God chosen to bring reconciliation to a a world that was sinful and rebellious and which had rejected God. Peter calls us living stones, each of us part of this building, this, this spiritual house. He calls us a holy priesthood. We're called to intercede to God on others' behalf, other be, others' behalf. We're we're called to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What what are these spiritual sacrifices? We can look through the Scripture and find some answers. You know, Paul tells us in Romans twelve to present ourselves, our our very lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. Psalm 51.17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. We need that brokenness. The, The rest of this passage pays homage to, to Jesus, to Jesus, this cornerstone that was chosen, precious to God. It's, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. He was rejected. The religious people of his day rejected him. Remember, Peter is writing to, writing to believers who are, at the time they read this, being persecuted, actively persecuted and you know we should expect that if Jesus was persecuted and rejected uh, maybe the same is going to happen to us he says in verse 6 for it stands in scripture behold I am laying in Zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious whoever believes in him will not be put to shame so the honor is for you who believe but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has been the corner, has become the cornerstone and a, stumble, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he, he says, finally, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Peter is saying here the, the honor is for those who believe. The honor is for those who believe. Just as... Jesus is the chosen one. We are chosen by virtue of, of being in him.
if we have believed in him. We're precious to God because of Jesus. We are his and he is ours. We won't be put to shame if we believe in him. But those who reject him and disobey him, it says they're going to stumble. They, they don't have a foundation. They don't have sure footing and they, they will be put to shame. Of course they do because they don't obey God's word, he says. Well, as we close, let's just, uh, let me, let me reemphasize. Let's, let's put those things away that are, that are poison in our hearts and our relationships. Let's put them away. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. These things are, they're destructive. We need to humble ourselves, become like children and desire God's word, that pure spiritual milk of of God's word. This will bring satisfaction to our hunger. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled. They'll be filled. And it'll bring us growth. And finally, and most importantly, let's let's come to Christ, the, the head of the church, the chosen one, the beloved one, the, the, the cornerstone of this, this spiritual building that's being built up, and we're a part of it as living stones. We're part of it because we believe, and the honor is ours because of the one we have put our faith in. Let's pray. Lord God, as, as we, uh, from your word, we, we see your will for us revealed. Uh, we, we can't help but to uh, realize that uh, we desperately need you. So help, help us, Lord, to, to recognize those things in us that need to be cast off and, and put away, Lord. And as they do, replace them with the fruit of your spirit, Lord. Give us a, a desire, Lord. We want to obey that command to have a desire for that pure spiritual milk of, of your word, Lord, as we come like children, humble. Lord, forgive us of our, our pride. Um, Lord Jesus, we, we want to be like you. And it's in your name, Jesus, wonderful and marvelous and, and powerful that we pray. Amen. Is the Lord speaking to us today? I hope he is. I hope we're listening. Just like that, that master stonemason, we need our edges broken off. Yeah, broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. I'd like to read my very favorite doxology, uh, the last couple of verses of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, 
and now and forever. Amen.